realized that I've been recording our podcast with my VPN on for every single episode that we've done virtually, which would really slow it down. So I yeah. actually turned I actually turned it off tonight, and hopefully that might actually be okay. I hope. I mean, we haven't really had any connection problems in any case, but if you have some and I have some, that's extra bad news. So yeah, that's questionable. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, I gotta like loosen up. I, hmm. We had our first snow today, and by snow I mean three flecks fell at seven thirty in the morning, and I went, "Oh, it's happening!" And then winter was over, and I was like, "Sick." Oh, great. So it's already over. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, yeah, winter's gonna, done. I don't know what you're talking about. We're not going to open the show talking about the weather. No, we're, well, we're going to open the show talking about, you know, we can have outdoor dining forever. There's no winter here. Fuck off. You're going to be fine. Are they still doing that? Oh, yeah. Really? Did they just construct a bunch of bubbles that are just indoor dining outside? Yes, yeah. correct. Have you indulged in this? No, I don't, I don't fucks with that, but um, I want to go see. Okay, so... There is, tell me if this is bad to do, because, so at Mnuchin Gallery, obviously, um, Steve's dad runs runs the gallery, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's a Church and Rothko show. <sighs> I think I have to go see it. I think that sounds really good, um, but because it's on the Upper East, I can call a friend of the show, Ulrika, and be like, hey girl, let's have some inside-outside martinis on Lexington. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a win-win. Why are you even debating this at all? Is it because Steve Mnuchin is a Trump person and you have liberal guilt for some reason? Yeah, I'm like, do we care? <laughs> I mean, like, do we care? I don't think I care. I think I just want to see the pretty, pretty sunsets and the pretty, pretty color splotches. I think that's where I'm at. I'm like, no, that's a sick idea for a show. In an old, in an old like, brownstone? Oh, oh. It hits me on all of my, like, aspirational wasp levels and i just want to let it wash over me with a martini and i think that's right yeah i think you should follow those instincts man i mean a church in rothko show is a brilliant idea i've personally never seen that although i'm sure that's happened before it it must have at some point i don't know but i I want it yeah but in any case i i just want to scold you for even having the instinct to virtue signal and pretend like you care at all because i know that you don't all I had to hear I, was Upper East Side and Martini, and everything else is just la la frou frou, uh, complete fluff. I don't bonus, care. Yeah. I don't care what it is. You're gonna do it if if those two uh, concepts are involved. So, yeah, well, don't yeah, pretend but, to care. Well, because you have to make an appointment, and I was like, oh, and I'm gonna show up in there and be like, we smell poor, and I'm like, hi, <laughs> hi, hi. <laughs> How could you smell the poor through the through the Margiela fragrance? I don't understand. You you can smell through. Oh, you can smell through that. Yes, mm-hmm. it is the travel size. I don't have a hundred and fifty dollars. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I did oh, not man. get the gift with purchase over the weekend. No. Mm-mm. Uh, I smell pretty poor right now in general, but I'm extra sad. Because I shrunk my favorite sweater in the washing machine this week. And I would consider that an absolute tragedy of the pores. To have a single sweater, like little, you know, who's the gu- who's the kid with the cane from the Dickens stories? Little Timmy, little Jimmy. Let's call him Timmy. I think it's, I think it's Timmy. I think it's Tiny think Tim. It's Tim. Yeah, it's Tiny, Tiny Tim. Tim. I feel like Tiny Tim with one sweater to my name and I shrunk it down to his size, ironically. And now I don't have the money to get a new one. Is it, it one of the sweaters I gave you? It it is. It was the Uniqlo yellow sweater that you gave me. Oh, you know how you favorite. know how to fix that, right? No, you can fix it. You're gonna. You can unstretch a sweater. 
What? All right, listeners, buckle in. You're going to soak that motherfucker in some warm water. Warm water baby shampoo. And you're going to let it soak. And then you're going to get in there, and when it's fully sopping wet, you're going to stretch the shit out of it and get it back to a shape. You can do it. What the fuck does the baby shampoo do? Lubes it up. Lubes up all the 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 knot the knotting the because it's a knit you just have to get them to slide again. Um, you probably put that sweater in a dryer, which is I I can't I can't even begin, but you can unshrink sweaters. Yes. Oh, interesting. Well, I'll, I'll try this technique. And yes, I did put it in the dryer, but it was completely by accident. I just took a whole armload of clothes and threw it in the dryer, not realizing that sweater was in there. I, I'm smarter than that. I normally, you know. On an average day, I know that you're not supposed to do that, but I wasn't looking, and I didn't check, and it was mm. the only non-dryer item in that load of laundry, so it was unfortunate, but... I mean, technically, that's a dry-clean-only situation, but I digress. Oh, geez, okay. Well, you're a real sweater mechanic over here. You're talking about lubing up sweaters? I mean, geez. I've been... You're virtue signaling because your grinder <laughs> dates are going to find out you don't care that Steve Mnuchin is the Fed guy? Listen... It was only one day ever in the past six months that I read, figured out my password and re-downloaded it. Never again. Um, that must but, have been a pretty bad day. Um, I was that good kind of drunk where I was like, mm, mm, yeah. And I was like, I'm too tired for this shit. Fuck off. Gotta go. Bye. And then mm. immediately the next morning, like, no nope, regret. Um, <laughs> but no, I've been uh, proselytizing the joy of babies baby shampoo for sweaters for almost mm, yeah let's uh, i was gonna say almost 15 years yes interesting where'd you learn that trick is that a trick of the trade in the retail industry do you have customers coming in angry at you and you need to figure out a solution to that problem as soon as possible no it's it's a seller's problem where people like i don't know how to i can't buy this i can't care for it and you go oh baby girl you just go and get some some baby shampoo you have babies right oh yeah i have two they're lovely yeah they're they're cute whatever fuck them you're gonna take some of their. You go. You're in a J crew. It's not a fucking Stradivarius. Just buy the goddamn sweater. It's two hundred dollars. Eat it. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, like, ma'am, I've seen your house. Like, you can you can eat this. Like, you can eat the dry cleaning. But yeah, you just baby shampoo that fucker. Ooh, ooh, baby. It smells lovely. Baby shampoo is a lovely scent, and when it's like soft, ooh. Mm. I still to this day when I go home, I wash all the cashmere and the baby shampoo. In oh one man. Time. Well, that's a hot tip. I, I'll certainly use it, and I'll report back to all of our eagerly awaiting listeners You're about the status of my so yellow hard. sweater. I can't wait. Oh. oh, I'm sure that I am, but it'll make it even a, a, a better story, I hope. Oh, boy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I we feel get, a little... Go ahead. I was going to say, we didn't get many hot takes. We got a hot take that I know nothing about and did no research on, so I don't really know. Well, I wouldn't um, worry about that, man, because that's for a later date, but I'm glad you brought it up because we should tell the listeners at the top of the show instead of at the back of the show that we would like to get some suggestions for tips and uh, hot takes from you, you know, topics you'd like us to discuss for a potential holiday episode because we're going to have to pre-record that anyway. So yeah, ho-ho ho, holiday hot takes. Oh, very good. Title of app. Not this one, but a future one. I think that's the first time we've ever done that. <laughs> Pre-titled an episode. Sometimes, some t- I've been listening to a lot of like holiday theme, like gifting pods and stuff and such. What? I don't know what to buy people. I I don't know at this point. I'm like I've bought hang, like hang my on, parents hang on, hang everything, like everything good, and they're like we don't need anything. I'm like I need to get you something for fuck's sake. This gift needs to be 
my absence in in my presence via my absence so here you go light a candle i don't know um and like mm-hmm. i don't know what to get you i don't i was gonna get i know what i'm gonna get well hang on just well, baby, can you stop for a second can we back up what? can we back up here you're listening to podcasts about giving holiday gifts that's a genre well, no 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 no, no. Uh, they're like special episodes of like what is our on our gift guide it's only one i was just listening to oh, it but okay okay I was going to say, that's like an gift guide. specific, I had to know. very seasonal podcast. I, I, I couldn't imagine someone leveraging that into an entire Into career. it all year? No. Yeah. I mean, Oprah <laughs> made a career out of giving gifts. So, like, you know, but, like, all those references. I'm not going to buy an O magazine. <laughs> right. You know, I was at the checkout line at a CVS a couple days ago. And uh, I was looking at the rack of magazines there. There was 11 magazines in the rack, and on the cover of them, six out of 11 were politicians or or heads of state. And I couldn't believe it. Two of them were royals. Well, that's normal. Were, are they royals yeah. or former royals? That's the thing. The former royals, because Meghan Markle had the miscarriage, and everybody was like, <gasps> gasp. Oh, does that disqualify her from being a royal? They gave up their royal stature. Oh, that's he's right. Not, they he's moved not a to Canada. Anymore. I forgot about that. So, oh, okay. So it was former royals actually in both cases because Prince Andrew is caught up in the whole Epstein thing. Oh, I don't know if that makes him former <laughs> I, or no, if he's, he's, he's still royal. No, no. He still, still counts, but family. he's been estranged from the family. Is that right? Nope. They don't really talk to him. Oh, okay. Well, okay. They're, tr- they're trying to shield this from blowing back and getting smearing the shit on their names or the baby baby smegma on their names i don't know mm. um, apparently he was very close to the queen herself um, yes that's why she's her, like no, her no. favorite grandchild which is a bad news but anyway uh my point just was uh, i don't have much to say about that other than that i thought it was a bad sign for culture and our society that you know where there should be a rack of celebrities in meaning in the pop sense you know movie stars musicians things like this we've replaced that with the obamas the clintons the Bidens and the Royals. <laughs> it's basically. not that it's not that confusing though. If you think about it, we haven't had movies in nine months. I mean, we don't. The only true stars that anyone was paying attention to were politicians. You know what? You're exactly right. It's not like you know. It's not like the fourth Star Wars installments coming out this Christmas or whatever. It's not like Ray is available for the cover of every magazine. You're right. There is no entertainment. So what are you going to do? No, and we need, okay, so this is going to sound terrible, but we need Obama to stop with the playlists and the, like, making, like, pop culture shit. Like, I need this to stop. Like, you're not, like, a former actor who retired, like, at 45. You're, like, you were a head of state. You need to not have a podcast, sir. Like, I, I like, what is, the, like, no. Like, we can't have the same platform as a president. That is shameful for that person. You know, Barack Obama... This is not really my idea. This is just in the ether right now. He's gone really mask off lately, like because he's doing all this press for his book and his podcast and his Netflix deal and all this bullshit. So he's just out there, you know, spewing out of his dumb mouth all the time. And he, you know, is self-identifying as a conservative now, which is weird and seems like it would be against his brand. But I think his brand is so impeccable that he can just say whatever and people will love it. Um, that could also he, be a, a a part of like transitioning people. Like, no, I'm very centrist. Come yes. to me, red people. Like, I'll shepherd you into true centrism. I don't know. Eh, I think that's part of it. I, I I also just think he's kind of trying to like be like, hey, 
don't give me a bad reputation in my post-presidency because of Trump. Like, look, you know, I wasn't a crazy lib. You know, <sighs> he's trying to, like, do damage control to some extent. But anyway, none of that, that's all that stuff's neither here nor there. The thing that's kind of interesting is you said, like, you know, Obama's not some, like, uh, celebrity or whatever. What did you say? Like, he's not some, he's like... He's not, like, a former, like, stand-up comedian who, like, reached a high and then retired. Except like, except that he is. He is that. Because yeah, while he was the president, he didn't want to do anything. He wanted to be on the West Wing. So his whole presidency was him watching himself be on the West Wing rather than do anything with well, it. Well, no, I, th- I think he imagined that it was going to be like the West Wing, like, you know, the true Aaron Sorkin liberal dream of, like, everyone cares. And then he was like, oh, no one cares. Fuck. All right. I guess I'll just do the things. I guess I'll just be a bit player. Yeah, I mean, one way or another, uh, you know, we can accept your diagnosis or mine. He ended up being a bit player in his own presidency, which is really fascinating. So now he's just continuing it in the same sense that a former stand-up comedian was. He's like Gallagher now. Like He's just like, oh, I got to ride this out for all it's worth until I'm old. Well, to continue the... West Wing analogy. He wanted to be a Jed Bartlett, but ended up the Alan Alda after Jed Bart after like the seasons went on too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He's in season six who, right yeah, now when Alan, all the original writers person. stopped uh, working on the show. Yeah, he he's the guy after the writer strike when they brought in Scabs. Right, right, right. Remember that? That was part of that time period too. Mm. You know, I always get the writer strikes mixed up because they seem to happen once every five or six years. There's writer strikes, and then there's the union battles, and then it's a soft strike where they're like, we'll threaten a strike. We did it once already. Do you remember those movies? And people are like, yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we, how much do you want? We'll give you a little. Whatever. The thing is, most people don't pay attention to who writes and directs things, you know? I don't think the average person is even aware that things like that are going on or that it affects the quality of anything. I think the more online people are, people do chase that now. Oh, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Like, but back that's in the day, I no, mean, though, no, but that's... no mind was paid uh, to it. But now people are like, oh, no, I'll watch that because that person wrote on it. Of like, course. Like, that person's yeah. funny. That I'll watch what they wrote on. And then sometimes you're like, how big was this writer's room? This has no voice and is very mucky mucky. Um, yeah, I was talking the more like the lowest common denominator. Like if you're watching like NCIS Las Vegas, you know, all of those are a giant writer's room that uh, locks and loads those things a couple of years in advance. So you have no idea what's going on. And there is no authorial voice on that show. Those are all hired hands in the writer's room on, and on the set that are doing whatever they're doing. Those are all anyone who writes on procedurals that aren't law and order were all people who thought that they could write on law and order after they graduated from NYU. And then they're like, wait, the regular law and order got canceled and I can't get on SVU. Oh, fuck. Hey, man, more power to him. I'd rather make four grand a week doing that than, you know, manual labor. So you make they make more than four grand a week on those shows. uh, Well, maybe. Oh, on those. uh, Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. But I know that, you know, I was throwing that number out there as being way too high, but you never know. It depends. Like, see if it's, well, long orders are long seasons, so that would, that might make sense when you stretch it out. 
Oh yeah, Th- they're like old old style TV shows that have like what like twenty eight episode seasons or something. Like most shows don't do that anymore. Hour long no. shows used to do that every year. Yeah, like 13... Star-, Star Trek is like twenty two episodes a year or something. Something crazy. That's twenty two hours of material. That's a lot. And a season's only nine months long. Not even eight and change. Less. Yeah, it's like six because you stretch it out when you have like off weeks reruns. Holiday right. time, you're just like, well, the programming has gone to, um, you know, the claymation things. Which, okay, can we can we pivot? Of course, yeah. So, my dumbass, for some reason, is like, I'll re- let's click on the Atlantic and see what they have to say. Uh oh, <sighs> that was the first mistake. Second mistake was don't show your children Rudolph. And what? Like, and I was like. Wait, wait, wait. What? Is it anti-Semitic like, trope? What? Is it an no. anti-Semitic trope? Oh, okay. No, right, it was ahead. very like, oh, basically it was just like Rudolph's a queer. So don't show your children this because it's just going to reinforce like they're going to bully someone who's weird. And if they feel weird, they're going to feel shame. And I was like, <laughs> shame's a great motivator. Fuck them. They'll figure it out. Like, like what's his name? Shmarmy the dentist. What's his name? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't remember the claymation dentist name from Rudolph, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the faggy dentist. Like, yes. Some of us ended up growing up into him who were like, oh, I don't want to make manual things. <laughs> I just want to like work in people's mouths. Mm. Um, yeah, you do. Holy shit. That's what Grinder said. Um, but like, it was just very much like, oh, no, it'll teach kids how to bully. I'm like, no, that's not TV's job, you dumb fuck. Your job is to be like, oh, how do you think Rudolph felt? Like in that thing, like, oh, yeah, that must suck. But then he overcomes it. He overcomes it. He finds a way to be exploited for capitalism. Uh. See, again, what's the thesis? It's always money. Um, no, but it's also like, let things be fun. It's beautifully made. Yeah, It's yes. gorgeous. Like, sure, like casting off fucked up toys is probably a terrible message of, like, waste. But also, do you want, like, the depressed jack-in-the-box? No, no one does, but, you know, I kind of do now because I think that's funny. I want it as an adult, <laughs> but as a child, yeah, I get it. Maybe you don't want the sad the sad in a box. Well, um, why don't you just look at a mirror? <laughs> the listeners can't hear my blinking. I thought the microphone would be able to pick it up. Um, no, but it was, yeah, and it was just like, it was just like, no, there's other ways. I'm like, what, you want people to watch Heat Miser, a thing I never understood or what the fuck that was? Like, get wrecked. Well, We're watching well, Rudolph. Listen, it's fun. Fuck you. There's a lot to this. I mean, we we touched on this last time, last episode. Like, what is, you know, I'm going to go a little sign, Jerry Seinfeld here. What's with all this morality? Like, why is every hot take in terms of morals? Like, really, you're going to attack the morality of Rudolph on some level? Like it's I don't even understand 60 how sixty years old. Yeah, it, it's it's timeless, basically. Well, it's also like you know it's of its time, but also like here's the thing: that story was made up of off of a jingle that some guy was paid to make, and like you know whatever. Right. That's basically the, whole point. the entire like, Christmas holiday is is constructed of advertisements in the first place. I mean, we all know that. No shit. So like, maybe obviously don't. Sh- don't shield that from your children tell them like oh this is all made up christmas is really just about being together and if you don't want to you don't have to either like but do you like some lights and some decorations yeah i like kitsch okay great kid you're gonna be a flaming homo when you grow up good job come on over here 
I got popcorn. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I think, I think parents reading The Atlantic, I think it's a bridge too far to expect them to communicate to a child that, um, you know, modern society took something spiritual and at its base uh, pagan and familial and transformed it into a commodity to exploit because that's that's how all things must be. You know, uh, you can't expect them to give that kind of lesson. The Atlantic is never going to advise parents to do such a thing. Um, But on the other hand, I I wanted to touch on something you said earlier, which was like, can't you just also appreciate that Rudolph is aesthetically a beautiful thing? Like that claymation is a form we don't really have anymore. And well, that, it's not even clay. It's like that felted, handmade, yeah, yeah. gorgeous. Like it, it, it was motion. like a Japanese company that made those little models. I was like, oh, we have this first kind of like influence of like kawaii in America, in advertising-driven 1950s kitsch, designed to make people spend money. Like that's a cool little moment. Like if you're thinking aesthetically, but like also you don't need to know that to be like that's fucking cool. Like I don't know yeah, how people yeah. did that. Right. It's very interesting. And and also back to the narrative for a second. It, it, the story of Rudolph is also about his eventual triumph and he becomes the leader of the pack. Are you, are you just omitting that part, be- Atlantic writer, because it bolsters your point? Like, well, at the he end is being of, exploited for his red nose. He's being uh, exploited for true. his difference. But at the end of the day, the moral message of that story, right, is supposed to be that, like, hey, look, this guy uh, overcame his otherness and his adversity to become head of the pack for Santa Claus. And, like, now he's well-respected at the end of the story for his service. Thank you for your service. Rudolph is a troop. Also, like, it goes back to, like, the uh, the Tyra Banks uh, model of, like, what makes you different makes you special. And, so, you know, like, you, you are going to have your niche by being different. You don't have to fit in with Dasher and Dancer and the other fuckers whose names I don't recall. Prancer and Vixen. Donner Comet Blitzen. And Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, yeah. Okay, well, you'd like to fit in with all the normies. I don't know. I, I only care about this red I guess that I do because I'm strangely proud that I remember all that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I couldn't I know. resist interrupting. No, there was, there was a moment I saw the eyes go like, must figure this out i know this ah (laughs) um but uh yeah like it's part of that not uh narrative too where it's like you know you can have a five head and still be a supermodel sure you can have a red nose drive a sleigh whatever you're gonna be a beacon whatever like you could have a gimpy leg i don't know someone's gonna jerk off to you i don't know yeah you know this is always frustrating for me in the current conversation because as much as diversity is thrown out there as something to prize that's actually not what people that uh advance that position often really mean because if you really prize diversity you would inevitably have to prize difference and value difference in a society and that's distinct from valuing categories so when people say they value diversity they value that only in the sense that you uh sand off all of the edges that make something exotic and mainstream it yeah and like Uh, because at the end of the day you don't want to be tokenized and like you could accuse rudolph of tokenization of like well that red red nose motherfucker like he's just got the lamp head i don't know but we have to have him you know before we go further i have to make an action for lamp later over here i don't fucking know (laughs) like they're all the other reindeer are from staten island and they're pissed that this right. other guy with the red nose, you know what that means. I actually don't know what that means. Um, 
at the end of the day, disclaimer to the audience, like there is no reason to take Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer this seriously. The only reason we're doing it is because the Atlantic did it first. I want to make that really clear because otherwise this is an incredibly embarrassing conversation. The tokenism of Rudolph, really? You know? (laughs) But, like, that's the thing. It's, like, it, it causes all of these other things, and you're like, yeah, you could go there, but why would you? The point you is it, yeah. that we're making is, like, why would you do that to this? Y- you would do that because your business model is failing, so you hire a bunch of 22-year-olds that used to work at BuzzFeed to write hot takes for you. That's why. Apparently <laughs> that's no why one likes working at BuzzFeed. Apparently BuzzFeed was, like, they were they were not paying them any money, and they were making, like, you know, racking up 2 million views and like they would get like their normal $800 paycheck. And they were like, uh, this is bad. Oh, I believe that. I mean, I know somebody that works for IO nine. Do you know that website? Yeah. Yeah. And he works really hard on a per article basis. I think he is also this makes the same a ba- person we both know. Yes. Yeah. I think he also makes a baseline salary. That's, you know, it's decent, but it's not very much. And so basically you have to work on the, you know, per word payment on these articles. And he works incredibly hard on these articles that take a long time that ultimately, no, frankly, nobody reads and don't pay very well. So, you know, if you don't love what you're writing about and you're at BuzzFeed because you went to school for journalism and that was the only job you can get, I'm sure that's a shitty work environment. You're surrounded by hyper competitive people that all hate each other and are all doing something that they mutually loathe. So, and then you're stuck there. So yes, I could imagine that that would suck. I mean, it's a lot like retail in in the 2014s when everyone was just like, oh, fuck, I have to do this. Well, I'm getting paid. We were, I mean, in that period, we were getting paid more than BuzzFeed editors. And that's, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I love that for me. Yeah, that's, you should hold that. You should dangle that over their heads. Like, you know, why didn't you just work at a mall? You could have worked at PAX on you, dumb bitch. Yeah, you could be folding sweaters right now. Life's show up hungover three hours late. No one gives a fuck. Damn. But it's important to remember, I mean, that is the case for everybody's day job, right? That's why jobs end up feeling so toxic. It's not just because you're being exploited. Like, that's true of any job, even if you're working for yourself, sort of. You're sort of doing that. Yeah. But, like, it, everybody has a, quote, day job now. Because we have an entire generation of overeducated people that can't accept that, no, your day job is actually your career. It's just you want to reject that psychologically. Why are you talking Even though about that is the front, truth. when I'm in front of you? How dare you? Yeah, Rude. I'm talking about myself, too. I mean, it's just, you know, if you don't internalize that and have a little, like, meta guy on your shoulder that's telling you, like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, if you're not framing it correctly for yourself, it's going to cause, cause a lot of cognitive dissonance, and then you're going to end up working at the Atlantic writing about Rudolph. For $350 and pissing right. me off personally. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like... Was that really worth it? Like, at the end of the day, you're just like, this hot take, was it worth it? It cost you a lot of time and a lot of thought. I don't know. It's a real indictment of the editorial staff at The Atlantic that they would ever publish anything like that and not just laugh it off the table and fire the person that wrote it. It's it's incredible what a stranglehold they must be under the editorial board to like produce profits with an online business model, which admittedly until trump came along was difficult for publications to do yeah so now there's these old people that sit on the editorial board and they're looking at an article like that going like this is completely ridiculous do we have to publish this and then they all look around the table and they're like yeah it'll get some clicks yeah mm. it's it's but a sad that's state the thing, of affairs. some clicks like at this point like 
it like the only reason i read it because i was like well this is gonna be a car wreck all right boop like no no you know you know i think that of our generation we have become this those of us that are red pilled let's say have become this interesting category of person that used to exist in the form of movies. Like, I feel like Generation X, there was the ironic B-movie watchers. And that's not so much of a thing anymore because they don't make those type of movies for a wide variety of reasons. But now we have the uh, red-pilled ironic reader class of millennials that surfs the Atlantic and the New York Times op-ed page and, uh, you know, whatever else, Huffington Post, uh, BuzzFeed, and just finds the most ridiculous articles and talks about them with each other. And nobody else thinks it's funny or interesting, but I do. Well, that's the thing. So this is, okay, this is another segue. So the other thing that I have kept coming across was, like, the idea of, like, earnestness is a new kind of irony, Interesting. Where, like, this is, this is kind of, well, or, like, ha- can exist in an I- ironic space because, again, let's use the said Rudolph thing. Like, that's an earnest article someone had feelings about. But, like, we look at it and we're like, the irony in this is chef's kiss. Ooh, delicious. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah. but, like, the whole idea of, like, earnestly doing something comes with a veneer or... It, when deployed correct or, or better let's just say um comes with a veneer of irony of like i love this but i know how ridiculous this is but to be self-seriously earnest maybe that's you should not do that that's ooh, please that's embarrassing well i think you can be self-seriously earnest but you also have to be pretty self-aware about what you're tackling maybe that's another way of saying what you're talking about you're, you're putting it in terms of humor though I don't necessarily think that you have to be funny about what you're earnest about or humorous about what you're earnest about to um, wink at the audience and say that you have some sort of meta recognition that it's a little ridiculous to take anything too seriously. Well, I think it's a matter of like, I care about this deeply, but I am not root. It's not a sacred lamb. I can be, I can act irreverent yeah. towards my dealing with it. Like, because I'm not genuinely, I like, I light, I pour a glass of wine, and light a candle, but I'm not like putting the dollar bill in a statue of a Virgin, uh, Virgin Mary next to it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, like you're not like the hagiography hey, is personal. It's not evangelized. Yes, yes, that's a great distinction because, like, in the example of the Rudolph article or the innumerable, uh, you know, hot takes like this, the reason that the woke crowd and their over analysis and their earnestness, if you want to put put it that way is so frustrating is because it's basically a religious sentiment um what you're actually talking about when you're critiquing the tokenism of rudolph is is that uh you know there's no um there's nothing about this in the scripture that makes it make sense it's yeah it's a matter of framing it in terms of its righteousness which we clearly have a problem with here on green and lewis have to say the name once in uh you know 20 minutes um but that's the part that i'm always just like you know earnestness doesn't have to be this kind of like get on my level like you know join me join me with thinking this way which is a very like centrist centrist liberal kind of thing where it's like no i'm gonna have this hot take but like i'm gonna try and frame it in a persuasive essay 
It's like, why do you still want to get like a good grade on this? Like, do you actually have a feeling or are you just trying to sell it? Get wrecked. Either love it and know that it's fucking ridiculous because that that's actually what art is. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Um, but no, they they want to get a good grade on it because they went to college and they feel like they're still in school. And the good grade is a is a sad paycheck. Get wrecked. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It is. Like what? I don't get it. I just don't. Get it. I don't understand. But like, you could. I. I also don't understand why. Like, you're. You know, this is a publishing question of like why is the atlantic publishing a medium.com essay it's like oh you should mm. well we talked about this and it's not really worth reviewing other than to say it's again as many things it's because of perverse incentives it's because they need to get clicks to make an online business model sustainable as opposed to a print business model it was easier to do it the other way and now it's not that sustainable nobody's getting the atlantic at their door anymore so you have to get a lot more clicks online than you used to have to get subscriptions that's the reason. It's that simple. Yeah. It really is. And, y- you know, the thing that's interesting to me is that the only reason I think we've, you and I have been talking about this so much in recent days is that the, uh, the transition that we're in because of COVID and because of the election is what makes this so stark right now. I mean, I would say it's been stark to you and I for the last couple of years in a certain way, um, but it's become more and more the contrast has gotten higher and things have gotten more exaggerated. So this stuff is in a certain way easier to pick out and it's a lot less risky to make fun of it because if you still believe in it, like I'm not really concerned with what you're doing. And there's so much, there's so much evidence in the world that that point of view is ridiculous that I, you know, there's no longer any qualifying it from my perspective. There's no longer uh, any fear of like, backlash because it's like are you serious you're going to defend the rudolph article right now yeah like, I, are you really going to shout about that because if you are like i really don't care what comes after that i'm leaving the conversation well that, you know? if someone's really going to like you know classically scare quotes come for you for having a, a hot take on a shitty rudolph article like that's when you know, like, ah, when the wind blows and it hits your ears, it makes a whistle because it's just filled with air in there and there's not actually a brain. Yeah, right. And it's like, I knew that all along. I was pretty confident in that all along, but I was hedging my bets, especially in the lead up to the election, because it's like, oh, great. If Trump wins again, now you got to kind of like kowtow to all these ridiculous idiots because they're going to they're going to still have the power. But it's now now it's like, oh. You got the result that you wanted, like, and now you're talking about what? You can't talk about social justice anymore because you have the politics that you wanted to have. So you have to talk about how Rudolph is problematic. And it's like, really? When it gets to that level, um, it's nothing but laughable. You're in circus territory. I think that was more, more of like a holiday themed moment, but like. No, but it doesn't like matter. There has been, because if there it has wasn't. Been a, there has been a downtick in like outrage articles about like this is what happened because everyone's just like it's over we're not dealing with this anymore i don't think there has been a downtick back to brunch i think that a lot of people went back to brunch and everyone else is still talking about like election theft or whatever even though that's ridiculous oh by the way shouts out to rudy giuliani getting covid we love to see it he's been very funny lately he's probably the funniest like transition person around right now that drip on the head i don't even oh 
Oh, and imagine being and will imagine being a liberal. Not only are you afraid that Rudolph is going to poison your children, you're literally afraid of Ru- Rudy Giuliani, even though shoe polish is falling down his face. I mean, he's a scary fascist. Will, why aren't you afraid of him like I am? Because he looks like <laughs> Nosferatu. Like yeah, it's exactly. la- like if you do a side by side of like him with the like <gasps> and the drip, like it's just Nosferatu. Like after like a good like neck gnaw, you know just some schmear and some spatter it's not dissimilar um i don't know um yeah he looks like somebody cloned nosferatu like three quarters of the way and then it stopped growing but it still came alive and they were like i guess you're allowed to live that's rudy giuliani yeah i (laughs) he had so i saw a picture of young rudy recently and uh it looked like he was wearing like a rug even like when he was young like he was doing the brush up real hard and i was like "Oof, yeah oof buddy you got to give up the ghost on that at some point and he still hasn't it's still like you know the crown the bald crown i think for some reason that men used to go bald younger than they do now and oh, I wonder... they did because they didn't have, like, you know, keeps or hymns or, you know. Yes. I, I think it's partly a pharmaceutical innovation. All of those creams and powders and poultices or whatever. Powders but and also, poultices. I think that, I, I just think there was something in the food or in the air or in the water or something. Because if you look at pictures of young Joe Biden, he was like a handsome guy or whatever, but he had the same thing that Rudy had. He's been wearing a rug since he was 27. Maybe younger. I don't know. Young. There's still that one picture of him in Hawaii that I'm like, yeah. Listen, I wasn't talking about how attractive he was. I was talking about his hair. But anyway. Yeah, he's got a full head of head. Will just got distracted and like closed his eyes as if he was (laughs) chubbing up right now. That was disturbing. (laughs) Please don't do that on phone calls with me again. (laughs) Um, No, that's the only picture that I'm like, yeah, that's the only one. Um, Uh, You got something? Yeah. Um so I want to continue the print the print thing and then the like what is what is the hagiography hey, so uh New York Magazine just print uh uh did this list of like what we lost like our favorite places that we lost and I was like okay, let's tuck in. Let's see what you're going to decry as a big loss to call, to you know the scene of New York and I was like okay. Um so they had like like certain stalwarts where they're like lord and taylor's going i'm like okay who cares like um and then like uh gem spa the like place on the lower east side that was like a soda shop whatever apparently people went there i'm like never heard of it um but then they were like flowers for all occasions and i was like huh we're lamenting the loss of a bar that didn't have a liquor license and was putting god knows what into cocktails that we all drank for a very short amount of time before we realized this is some bullshit and you had a problem with that? I, I normally would, like, love a, like, lamenting the lost New York kind of thing. But I was just like, right. the shit that you put on this list, I was like, it's so far afield and wild. I was like, what? Like, yes, I've gone well, I've gone to Trophy Bar, but am I glad it's closed? Yeah, I hated Trophy Bar. Fuck off. Like You know, what you, we- you can have your personal opinions on a place, but also recognize the validity of certain things. Like... I, I don't know. I tend to agree with you in the aggregate that, like, you know, New, what is New York Magazine going to do? They have a more or less wealthy liberal audience that's attracted to gentrifying things. So 
when they're talking about, oh, what did we lose due to COVID? They really have to grasp for straws in any like meaningful aesthetic or um, I don't know, style sense. They basically have to go with the condoified version of everything they're going to pick. Well, yeah. So they're, they're like, oh, it's it's a it's a bar that didn't have a liquor license, but it's still just like sort of normal, just kind of normal. Well, they, they they have to pick the queen Amidala of everything, the thing with Ooh. no personality but with a nice frilly dress on, so that there's something to distract you. So they, um, they lamented the loss of Lucky Strike. Did you ever go there? Yeah. You went to Lucky Strike. Yeah, I did. Right. I, uh, I, with somebody that lived in um, lived on Bedford Avenue, let's put it that way, in Williamsburg. Got it. Noted. Um, um, yeah, not Bedsty Bedford Avenue. I didn't go with a Hasid or a, you know. Sorry, that ended up sounding bad. Uh, or with a friend from the neighborhood. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they they uh, had Sam McInnes write a like basically an obituary and he's like you know you just sometimes have to go with like nice people to places with $12 burgers or $20 burgers and I'm like okay uh, you're not helping your image or the image of this place of anyone feeling bad was it cool yeah the only time I went there did I see like Chloe Sevigny yeah do I hold it in that high regard no did I overpay oh bitch yeah, I did. But that's all. Like, it's like we're lamenting things of, like, an overpaid New York place. And I'm like, mm, yeah, fuck it. Like, bye-bye. It outlived its usefulness. It was great in the 80s and the 90s. No, or in the 90s. Um, it had no well, need know, after 2004. It makes me wonder. Everybody has rose-colored glasses when it comes to iconic locations, especially New York, like, in the 70s and 80s, right? But I wonder what New York Magazine was writing about back then. Like, you know, there was an economic recession, I think, in like 1985 that was pretty bad. And I know that there was one in 89 that was horrible. So let's 87 let's, let's use Black 89. Monday. Right. Let's let's use that as an example. Like, I'm sure some stuff closed because of that. And they wrote an article about that. I'm sure you could go find it on the Internet right now. What were they talking about? Were they talking about the restaurants from American Psycho that like were basically just overpriced schlock anyway? Probably. Yes. Like, that's just what they do. If you're looking for some kind of angle on, you know, what was lost truly and what is actually a tragedy, it would be things that would never register in magazines like that, but that have popular appeal amongst, um, you know, a lower and middle class type of citizenry. Like, for well, me, it would be like, did Fug Grand close? Did Vanessa's close? Stuff like this. Things that are institutions. They did, they did that, do like an 88 um, Lanzau, like hand-pulled noodle one. Whatever, but still, Which that's a cool, little cool. But like, I can find like in two months there's going to be another one. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's pretension. It has nothing to do with, um, it has nothing to do with the heart. It has everything to do with the intellect of these restaurants or these places or whatever. Which is never what's interesting about it in the first place. Yeah, someone wrote a like soliloquy about Burnside. I'm like, you had an emotional attachment to that. Well, no, no, no. You know what? That's a great example. That I actually understand. I hadn't been there in many years, even before I moved away. But like, no, that used to be a place that I went pretty regularly, actually, because it was kind of a good meetup. Like when we first got out of grad school and people lived in different neighborhoods because everybody had just got there. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of a decade. 
I mean, you got to understand, I understand the emotional emotional attachment to a place like that, because on one hand, it's a gentrifier, like kind of bullshit aesthetic. But on the other hand, it's basically just a watering hole that you go to so you can hang out on the back porch and smoke cigarettes or, you know, get a beer. It's pretty standard place. There was nothing about it to me that reeked of New York magazine. No, it doesn't. I wouldn't even imagine they would have been aware of it. It doesn't. Well, it's not that it reeks of New York Magazine. It, there's nothing about it that screams New York. That could be a bar in Painesville. Like it's it's it, it can be any. It was an anywhere place, and that's what does make it special. That like when you lose yeah. the like anywhere places where you're just like, oh, I'm so fucking tired. Oh, this is here. Oh, good. I know. Like, but like reliability just shifts in new york like the city is an overwritten place oh this place that usually go is closed okay let's just go to the place down the street like whatever like if it's a i can't imagine being the kind of person who has an emotional attachment to that kind of like nothingness like we love like we love the convenience of certain places but like say for instance like a marcos or something like that where it's like oh it's just easy you just go would I be sad if it closed? Mm, no. Like, mm. Yeah, I don't like, know. I, I like I guess, it, but I'm also uh, old, and I'm like, no, I don't want to sit in a backyard and now. I'm too old now. But like, I mean, if I, something I guess you like, get jaded or cynical over time, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm with you there. I, I would be sad if that place closed. I would be skeptical if anybody reviewed that it closed. Yeah, like I thought that's what we were talking about here. It oh, just yeah, that... I, it's a, it's it's a dual thing of like, why are we writing the obituary of places that will just be replaced? Like, I don't understand why it's suddenly necessary to again to uh, ha- do the uh, hagiography of places that will be replaced or will come back in a different form. Well, it's well, it's not necessary. I think we would both agree on that. I would, ju- I would just say that don't really worry about the list. Then, like, wh- don't even be critical of it because what you really like about Marcos is the times that you had there with your friends. What you really like about Burnside is that one time smoking a cigarette with that guy that you remember, or whatever. That's what you really appreciate, not the place itself. So the yeah. list at the same time shouldn't really bother you. The hagiography is what it is. It's just a thing to do for clicks in the same sense that writing about Rudolph is. Yeah. Uh, there's really nothing There's really nothing uh, egregious about it other than that it taints the memory. Yeah, it feels emotional manipulation where they're like, remember this place? It's not there. Let's, let's have you drop these times that you'll never get to have. And it's like, well, it was never about having times with people in those places. No people are still here like you you can still have the people if the people haven't gone away then the place it doesn't matter the 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 placeness of it all is that's a placeholder it's just a, a location that you can kind of crystallize it but that doesn't necessarily have to be there that that crystallization can take a new form somewhere else so like lamenting like in a list and then having people be like oh i remember it's like I mean, if you had a really good time, you probably shouldn't remember the times that you had in certain places. <laughs> yeah. Do I remember going to the cock at one in the morning? No, I do not. Did I give a stripper $20 accidentally? Yes, I did. I found that out the next day. Um, what are you going to do? Who cares? <laughs> That's fun, but like, that'll happen again. I'll go on a bender at 38 and give someone a 50. I'll have 
hopefully more money whatever well hopefully hopefully not but i but i do hope that you have um you and everybody listening has like memories that they hold on to but you know it would be an interesting thing if we talked less about the hagiography and the listicles and talked more about the conversation that we remember you know that would be a better story to tell because in a certain way you and i right now uh, are in a meta sense engaging in the same kind of uh pablum as writing a listicle about gentrified bars like we should be sharing stories and having like a friendly connection with each other rather than complaining about something that's neither here nor there because that's essentially what the rudolph article is that's essentially what the uh, listicle about bars is you're complaining or you're lamenting something that never really existed what you care about is what you share between one another uh the writers of those things don't have those kind of relationships though that's why they write the articles that they do but us complaining about them only furthers that that cycle into the future and i i don't like that i i, I wish we had more interesting things to talk about than that well, I, I just brought it up as like a this was another like crinkle of the nose, and I went. I'm not trying to chastise you, Will. I, that that thought occurred to me organically in the moment. Mm. I, I'm not complaining about the conversation so much as noting that I'm realizing that too. Well, listen. Sometimes you just gotta read something and go, "Ooh, don't like that." Banking it, um, and then you talk it out. That's what you do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, and I think. I think that's it in terms of my uh, shit I want to, things I want to shit on. Well, um, geez, we got almost an entire episode out of you, which I think is rare. I mean, you know, what episode are we on? We're nearly on We're nearly on episode 80, and I think this is maybe one of the only ones where you've ever talked more than me. I got a lot to say. I'm, I'm alone <laughs> in this apartment, losing my mind, going, oh, fuck. Um... You know. It felt really good, you know, because I, I, I was a little rushed getting to the podcast tonight. I had just gone to the gym and been a good gym boy, and I was talking to my dad, and I was making dinner, and I was checking on stonks. Like, I got here right on time, you know what I mean? Usually I'm sitting around waiting for you, getting prepared. But uh, So I, it was it was nice to have you come in with a real, like, thrust of energy and not really have to worry about it. That felt I'm, good. I'm riding my adrenaline high. I was like, I just sat in traffic did work and thought I was going to leave early and went, Oh no. Oh fuck. What time? Oh, I got to go. Everybody move. Um, yeah. literally was like, hi, I would love to talk to you. Got to go. No, I have to leave now. I have things. Um, which normally I'm like, okay, I'll entertain this. I was like, nah, um, that's Australian for no. Um, yeah, no, I'm writing my, like, why I also like, so, I've been eating good for three days, which is very strange. I haven't had any shitty food. Oof. What does that mean for you? How much mac and cheese does that mean? Only a third of a cup a day? Are you rationing it? Like, are you taking a palette knife to a measuring cup and making sure that you're not having any more Gouda cheese than necessary? I've only consumed approximately 700 calories today. What? That's very low, dude. I had that a makes wrap, me worried. And then a cliff bar. I mean, I think the cliff bar is 400. Yeah, easy money. Yes. Okay, so 1,000. 1,000 for a, me is you a, low. You had 1,000 calories. That's low for anybody. That's low. Yeah. That's all you had I'm was a wrap and a cliff bar. Hmm? You know, you know, the other thing you got to keep in mind, Will, is that you have to watch the content of what you're eating, not just the amount. 
So like a wrap and a cliff bar, it sounds like, yeah, you ate low calories, but like that's not a lot that of fat. Great. So much fat. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm a like cliff Ooh. bar, a cliff bar, especially. I mean, I know you're getting a lot of steps a day, but if you're not like hiking a mountain, a cliff bar is going to make you gain weight. Sorry, but I only had that. one and then I did all my running around. Doesn't matter. I mean, what is a cliff bar except for peanut butter and nuts, you know? Well, that sounds like your life, basically. Okay. Um, no, but like that, that was today, and then I had salad, and then I fell asleep after I got home from work, so I didn't actually have dinner. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, feeling thin today, yeah. And then the day before, I like did a pork roast with like Brussels sprouts. I was like, yeah, we're eating clean, bitch. And then I was like, oh, oops. Or we just eat nothing and then sleep. Well, hey, that's fine, too. I mean, whatever. Uh, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So whatever gets you through the day, I'm supportive of that. Americans need to eat less in general. I mean, three days ago, I tried to put on pants, and it was, like, too much of a struggle. So I was like, well, I guess we have to, like, starve ourselves now. I don't know. Well, I guess the winter is a rough time to try and do that. This is usually the time of year when I allow myself to gain some weight, and I let the I let the diet up. You know, I let the belt out for three months and see how it goes. Yeah, I, I, no, no. I was like, oh, no. You sound like you've been struggling with pants for some time now. So. You need to shut that. <laughs> it was just one pair that I was like, I know you fit. You are not doing this to me right now. They shrunk you, mother. <laughs> oh, no, they got shrunk. Oh. No, can't do this. So I, I, I. I I gave up the fight on that one. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to not eat for like four days. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did I buy dips and then are most of them gone? Yes, of course. Well, Jesus, man, you're not really calorie restricting at all then, are you? I mean, you're sneaking in dips in between other meals and just not counting them. That's not good. I didn't have any dips Some of the dips that you you buy are basically mayonnaise. So you eat a jar of mayonnaise at least. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, you know, if you're having a problem with your pants, you could locate it in the dips. A salsa is healthy. A hummus is healthy. A pub cheese, not healthy. No, but no, that's a like, but that's healthy, a good ratio, like one to two, one to three, eh, <laughs> one out of three being one fatty dip to two eh, healthy-ish dips. We, listen, I got to do what I got to do within the way that I can. Okay. I mean, look, Rudolph wasn't obese, you know? He just had a fucked up face. You might want to take. <laughs> he was a butterfly. You might want to take uh, yeah. a note from him and, you know, not have both. Let's just put it that way. <sighs> the rudeness. <laughs> the rudeness you in my own You can pick one home. or the other, man. It's, it's either the pub cheese or, you know, cosmetic surgery. That's really what we're talking about here. Listen, I. Okay, so I think. Uh, what's the stuff that you. You poke lipo is very bad. It's very painful. How do you know that? Uh, there is a wig maker in Australia who I followed their journey of. Yeah, that is not what I expected as a follow up to. How do you know that? They, I they don't think the... anybody's ever started this, the <laughs> the query. How do you know ah. that with a wig maker from Australia said? What the fuck are you? They talking? went on a journey. Uh, a wig maker who's also a drag queen. So like, you know. So I followed their journey. They're like, yeah, I got. They had like tubes that were still in them, like drains, to continue draining the fat. And I was like, oh, that sounds not fun. 
That sounds absolutely disgusting. I, I why don't you just you know as Andrew Cuomo, our God Emperor, said, if you didn't eat the cheesecake, you wouldn't have a weight problem. Like you that? don't need to get liposuction. Yes, he said that in reference to uh, people getting coronavirus. He said this is all self-imposed, and then he analogized it to the cheesecake. Baby, every, everybody gotta eat the cheesecake. I don't know what you're talking about. If someone puts cheesecake in front of me, it's gone. Well, hey, you have to be part of the problem. You're spreading the scamdemic. Oh God. Okay. I. <laughs> I have a story for the after show that's wildly. I was. Do you like, want to start the after show right now? That's a good segue. This will be our first episode under an hour, but we're pretty close. I'm comfortable with that. If you are. Oh, hold on. Let me change this. To, oh, it's fifty-eight. Fifty-eight's fine. I feel like I 50, think that's fine. Fifty-eight at a quick clip with very little like mm, downtime. That's satisfying. Yeah, I think that's fine. Plus, every podcast that I've listened to is like shorter now. They're just like, we can't have these hour and a half. People are living their lives now. Like, it I know. Can't. No, this nothing's is not. fucking going on. You really want to talk about Rudolph for fucking fifty-eight minutes? I think that's enough. Fuck you. No, we did twenty. We did twenty. Got a hot twenty blazing blazing fires you know yeah it'll be it'll end up being a little shorter than 58 it'll probably be 57 and some change but that's fine i yeah, think that's whatever fine. do the okay. people need to listen to this though no 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 that well it's not going to be in there anyway so i'm going to stop r- r- with the record button do you want to are we not breakers? are we not signing off oh. okay <laughs> no no we're kind of not okay bye all right <laughs>